I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis 28. I guess the Lord has a way of orchestrating things. I wasn't really planning for this today, but uh, God knows what's ha- what he's doing. So you can pray for me as I share today. My uh, subject is wrestling with God. And the, the songs kind of were preparing us, I think, for Merlin's message, which was supposed to be submission. Uh, we were going to hear about that today, and that word sometimes has, gets a mixed reaction, right? But it's a good word. It's a biblical word. But I think maybe this message will uh, be a little bit of a prelude to the idea of uh, submission. Uh, you know, about wrestling, we're, we're going to look at a, a man in the Bible who literally wrestled with God. Jacob, you would remember that story, I'm sure. Uh, We're going to get to that pretty soon, but wrestling uh, is something that, I guess, I used to think it was fun when I was younger. Uh, I enjoyed a good wrestling match with some of my friends, uh, but I don't want to do that anymore. Uh, I'm afraid I might get something out of joint. which is what happened to Jacob here in his wrestling match. Uh, so wrestling, he was wrestling with God. You know, that's, that's not, uh, not recommended to do that. But for some reason, uh, we as human beings still try to do that sometimes. We wrestle with God in different uh, areas, different issues maybe that we're dealing with in life. So instead of just giving in and saying, I've had enough, like you do in a wrestling match, you know, holler enough, whatever, uh, we, we continue to uh, stay in there and we struggle until the Lord uh, maybe has his way with us and we, we yield to him. So until we do that, we're just kind of wasting our energy, you know, wasting our time, and we have no peace within. Well, Jacob was a, a case where he was kind of a, like a lot of us, me included, uh, some, he was a rough project that God was, was working with over the years. Jacob had some definite character flaws. Uh, you will probably remember how, uh, that he was, he was a twin. He had a twin brother. His name was Esau. And uh, if you're a twin this morning, you might enjoy this story. Uh, but when they were, when they were born, uh, his brother Esau was born first, right? And Jacob came out. You remember the story? Uh, he was hanging on to Esau's heel, right? And that's how he got his name. Uh, the, the term, the word Jacob implies being a heel grabber. <laughs> so he came out. He was hanging on to his brother's heel at that point, and that probably should have been a maybe a warning as to what was, what was to come. Little heel grabber. Uh, so he was grabbing things then already. Uh, so the name kind of fit uh, who he was as a person. Uh, Jacob did have some definite character flaws. Uh, he was a, a deceiver. He was a cheat. And you see that throughout his, his life. And sometime later, uh, he, he swindled his brother Esau using a bowl of stew out of his birthright. And then later, he tricked his father into giving him the blessing, the family blessing also. 
So Jacob got the birthright and the blessing from his brother, but it cost him uh, dearly. Uh, one of those things was that he never saw his mother again, and his brother wanted to kill him, and the family was torn with strife. He had to flee for his life, and he became an exile uh, back in actually where his, uh, let's see, how was that? His ancestors would have come from. Uh, and then he uh, went to his brother and would turned out to be his father-in-law, Laban, I guess, would have been his uncle. And he worked for him for seven years uh, for, to marry the girl of his dreams. And he ended up being tricked and had to work another seven years. And he, he got her sister instead. You'll remember that, remember that story. So we could say for Jacob already at this point, what goes around comes around. So he, you know, he was cheating and, and being cheated. Uh, and we could learn, I think, from Jacob that we could save ourselves a lot of heartache by, by trusting the Lord instead of trying to work things out in our own way. So if you have your Bibles, uh, in Genesis chapter 28, here uh, I'm going to read some verses. Uh, that, and in the end, it's going to look like Jacob is trusting God. But if you look closer, you're going to see, I think, uh, a basic selfish attitude in Jacob which was his primary life. So here the story is that Jacob was running for his life and he laid down at night to rest and he had a stone for his pillow. And that night uh, he had a dream and the Lord spoke to Jacob. I'm looking now at Genesis 28 uh, verses 10 through 19. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took, his, took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, uh, though the city used to be called Luz. So here's some uh, incredible promises that God has made to Jacob. He says, I will be with you. I will bless you. I will multiply your descendants. I will give you this land. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And we see here, of course, a messianic prophecy uh, referring to Jesus. But now I want you to look at, uh, at Jacob's response to all of this in verses 20 through 22. And maybe you think I'm being a little too hard on Jacob, and maybe I am. 
But if you put everything together and you read his response, uh, you, you have to know how Jacob operates. And here I, I think I see a man who is trying to make a deal with God in, in a way. So verse 20 through 22. After this dream, then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I will return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So I don't know how that strikes you, but uh, to me that sounds a little me-centered. Like, God, if you do all these things for me, then, then, I, then you get to be my God. He's, he's kind of putting uh, conditions uh, to serving the Lord. If God behaves how I want him to behave, then he gets to be my God. Uh, this was, I think it was really a long step forward for Jacob as you look, if you look at where he's coming from and where he's going. So this was, this would give him this, it was a step in, uh, forward in his spiritual life. But he has a ways to go. But uh, is this not how uh, <clears throat> God often gets treated? Uh, in the words, you know, think about the conditions that we put on serving the Lord. We say, if God is a certain way, if he's the way I think he should be, then, then I'm going to serve him. Otherwise, he can't, he can't be my God. Uh, in the words of a, one of the uh, current uh, word of faith preachers, if you know what I'm talking about there, the gospel, the word of faith gospel preachers, one of the, the current preachers, I, I found this statement that he made that, he said, God, if you're really real and if you love me and forgive me for all the things that I've done, and if you have a plan for my life, then I'll live for you. How does that strike you? Is that how we sometimes uh, put God in a box? So I'm going to ask us, since when do we get, as human beings, get to put God in a box and tell him how he's supposed to function? That's not how it, how it works. Uh, the, one of the core beliefs of the word of faith, the prosperity gospel movement, is that God desires, and I hope you understand and I'm quoting them now, that God desires Christians to be happy, healthy, and wealthy. And that uh, believers in the word of faith movement, some, some of their teachers would claim that you can speak things into existence that you can speak your desires into reality. Uh, and I think that's a little where Jacob was at this, at this point. Uh, and that's not the kind of God that, that we serve. We, we serve a God who is in control. He is sovereign. He's the one who gives direction, and we, we come under him, and, and we, we seek his will, not ours. So Jacob has a lot to learn here, and, and so do I. Uh, but we also have to admire Jacob for his strength. He was a patient and a very determined man. Uh, when, he, when Jacob saw something that he wanted, he went after it uh, until he had it. So he ends up, uh, and we're going to kind of fast forward here, but uh, he ends up with his uncle Laban, and he begins a 20-year period of, of cheating and being cheated. <laughs> 
by his father-in-law. So turn now, if you would, uh, with me to chapter 32. We're fast-forwarding 20 years here, and Jacob is, after those 20 years, he's finally on his way back home. He's going back where he came from. He's going back to the brother who had threatened to kill him. He's going back to the father he had cheated and lied to. So what is Esau going to do to his brother Jacob? 20 years ago, he had vowed to, to kill him. And then chapter 32, verse 7 says, uh, Jacob was in great fear and distress. And you can understand why. His brother Esau is coming to meet him with a force of uh, 400 men. And that's not exactly how you would meet somebody if you want to make peace with them, right? Uh, now, God had, God had told Jacob that he's supposed to return to his homeland, but Jacob here is kind of true to form. He's, he's trying to put things together and make things happen, trying to figure out his own way. So he uh, attempts to pacify his brother Esau by sending uh, presents of, of, from his livestock, all of his livestock, and uh, to go ahead of the caravan and to pacify his brother. And then he sends his, his wives and his children across the river, and then only Jacob is left behind. And it's, it's dark, it's night. Uh, and here is Jacob now. This is what I'd like to bring us to. Here is Jacob facing, I believe, what is a crucial moment, the test of his entire life. And maybe this is where uh, some of us are today. You're, you're finding yourself uh, in this test where you're maybe wrestling with something, you're wrestling with God, and, and you're, you're trying to figure this out. So here is, is Jacob. He's confronted, I believe, with a man. He's confronted with trying to do uh, his life, just uh, doing things his own way. And now, incredibly, he finds himself literally wrestling, wrestling with God. So let's look at uh, chapter 32, verse 22 to, to the end. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your, your name will no longer be Jacob but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. So notice here, uh, setting the stage for this wrestling match with God. Verse 24 says, Jacob was alone. God had to get Jacob alone before he could deal with him. And once, al once he was alone, 
I believe God commanded David's atten- uh, Jacob's attention. I don't know how many of you have. Do you get alone once in a while? <laughs> have you done that? Uh, I remember a number of years ago, I made several trips up to the Hermitage in Three Rivers. I don't know if you, any of you are familiar with that, but it's a, it's a retreat center for pastors and their wives. But I went alone a couple times. I tromped through the the deep uh, snow to get back to a cabin all by myself back there and spent the afternoon and overnight there alone. And you're just there by yourself and you have to deal with with you and, the, and God. But, you know, I think we're living in such a, a busy time when most of us don't do that. We don't have time to get by ourselves and be alone with God where he, God can really deal with us. But God wanted to get uh, Jacob, he wanted to get his, at his self-reliance, he wanted to get at his fleshly scheming, and, and he came to Jacob to take it from him, I think. Take it from him as it were by force. So verse 24 says that a man wrestled with him till daybreak. I, I believe that this was a, a supernatural, a special appearance of the pre-incarnate Jesus. Jesus in the Old Testament, before he was incarnated, uh, before he was born as a, as a baby in Bethlehem, this was God, I believe, in human form. And so toward morning, Jacob began to realize who he was wrestling with. Verse 30 says, Jacob called the place Peniel, because, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and my life was spared. I think here Jacob, and you have to admire him in some respect, he gave it all he had for some reason. Uh, and for some reason, God allowed him for a, for a period of time to, uh, to continue wrestling and to kind of prevail. Then verse 25 says that when the man saw he could not overpower him, I personally believe that this man could have overpowered him at any time. This God could have just destroyed him using his supernatural power. And I think... Sometimes we, that's where we are. We think that we're doing good in our wrestling with God. We think we're getting along all right. You know, we're prevailing. Someone who is in rebellion against God might seem like they're doing pretty good. They're doing all right. They're getting by. And I think Jacob was here working hard. He thought he was getting the best of his opponent until finally God just, just in a moment's time, he changed the struggle. And verse 25 says, When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. As you can imagine, trying to wrestle with a hip out of, your, out of socket, that doesn't go too well. Uh, so from then on, uh, Jacob walked with a limp. And the man says then, uh, Let me go, day is breaking. But Jacob says in verse 26, bless me first. So here's Jacob asking for a blessing. Uh, I think in this struggle, Jacob is determined that he's not going to let go this golden opportunity uh, of securing a blessing. So notice verse 27, I think is really kind of the the key thing here now. And this uh, God asked Jacob, what's your name? What is your name? That's an important question. Why did he ask him his name? He knew his name. Uh, And I I think he wanted Jacob to reflect on his life. How would you answer 
if God asks you, what's your name? Not like your given name, but, but who are you? Who really are you as a person? What is your character? Uh, what is your relationship with, with God? And so Jacob says, well, my name is Jacob. And what all that means, which means I'm a heel grabber. I'm a deceitful person. I'm a cheat. And God maybe says, yes, that, that's who you were. But I'm going to change all of that. That's how you've been living your life. You've been doing things your own way. But from now on, it's going to be different. I'm giving you a new name. And praise God for that new name that all of us can have. You are no longer called Jacob. You are Israel. You have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Jacob says, well, what's your name? Please tell me. Jacob didn't get an answer to that question. But instead, he got a new name for himself. He got a new identity in this assault, this assault from God. So the new name Israel means that he who strives with God or he who perseveres or a prince. So I guess the question I'd like to pose now as we bring this down to us, uh, what did Jacob really learn in finally yielding to God? I think he learned, first of all, that by yielding, by repentance, he became a new man one who could receive the blessings of God. He realizes his own weakness, and he realizes the superiority of the Almighty God. It, we could say that the fight went out of him. Uh, those of you who are parents and you have children, that sometimes you have to, you know, deal with some rebellion, maybe. You can tell when the fight's gone out, right? You know that. And, and that's where God wants us to be, where the fight is gone out of us. So at the moment of yielding and repentance, Jacob also became a cripple. And he had this limp, I believe it was a permanent limp, uh, as a constant reminder. What do you suppose the family thought the next morning when Jacob came out to greet them, came walking with a limp? This powerful, self-sufficient man hobbling along. Uh, Jacob, what happened? Uh, and it would have been interesting to be there, wouldn't it, to hear how he answered that. How do you suppose Esau, his brother, who had come with the, with the intention of killing him, how do you suppose Esau was affected when he saw his self-sufficient, cheating, confident brother come hobbling toward him? I believe that Jacob not only was affected physically, I think he was also affected spiritually and emotionally. I think he had a different demeanor. I think he was changed from the inside. Could it be that this was a key to uh, Esau changing his mind about Jacob? And instead of killing him, he decided to um, bless him. So in Jacob's new name, Israel, there is a new man and a new people formed. There is a calling forth. God is working, always working with his chosen people, and ultimately he brings to us salvation. 
through Jesus Christ, the seed of Abraham. So how can we apply this to this account? I want each of us to think about our own lives. Um, maybe we too have been in some way wrestling with God. How's that going? Uh, do we need a new name? We need a new identity? Have we come to a point where we are finally and fully yielding to God? Physically, we could say physically, Jacob was very much weakened by his encounter with God. But how much stronger was he? Stronger now because he is leaning on God. I think this story touches us because we too, I think, struggle with God at times. And sometimes, we don't like to think of it this way, but sometimes God has to hurt us to get our attention. Maybe we struggle with attitudes. Maybe we, we hold things against others. We hold things against God. Or our struggle is that we put our lifestyle, we put our persona, we put our desires ahead of the Lord in the church. We know what the Bible, we know what the Bible says, right? But we make excuses. We say, well, that doesn't really, you know, I don't really want to do that or whatever. We struggle with, with what God asks of us at times. We get disappointments. We get heartache. And we say, God, I can't take this. Uh, you're asking too much of me. And we're, maybe we struggle because we know the will of God, but we're not willing to accept it. I had to think back of, I guess you can maybe do the math here a little bit, but when I, when I was called to the ministry here uh, 47 years ago at age 23, and, and thinking of that calling, and uh, that, was a, that was a real struggle for, for Elsie and my wife and I. And I remember, still remember getting in our car and uh, driving up to the White Pigeon uh, High School parking lot and just being up there and praying and crying out to God and finally yielding, saying, okay, if that's what God wants, um, we'll do that. And that was, that was a struggle. And, and many of you can identify in some way with the struggle knowing what God wants from you, but you're not you're not sure you're willing. Uh, <clears throat> honestly, when I thought about the ministry, I, in my flesh, I didn't, I didn't want to do it, to be very honest with you. I, I just recall the, the powerful emotion of finally just yielding to the Lord and giving in. Uh, and the peace then that came with that. <clears throat> But we wrestle. We wrestle with sickness sometimes. We, we wrestle when tragedy strikes. Why, God? Where were you, God, when, that, when I needed you? We wrestle with God maybe because we don't believe he loves us. God, you don't really love me. We don't believe that he forgives us. We wrestle with God because we don't like suffering. We don't like persecution. That's one of the things that I struggle with the most is the persecution of believers <clears throat> in many other countries. I think we as a Western church uh, don't really have a theology of persecution. It, do it doesn't fit our theology. 
Does, does God like to see people suffer? Uh, absolutely not. Yet he allows it for some ultimate good that I don't always understand. I got this quote somewhere, I don't remember where, but there, he says that there's only one thing worse than persecution, and that's disobedience. That's a powerful statement. There's only one thing worse than persecution, and that's disobedience. Life will be a struggle until we surrender to him. Jacob had no peaceful center, so he always took matters into his own hands. But I believe that as we yield to God, like Jacob did, and as we confess our need of the Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> he gives us a new name, a new identity. And so here's a new Jacob that comes out. He comes out of this experience of wrestling with God with a permanent injury to his body. But he comes out with a soul that is restored and assured of the blessing of God. I just ask you now, I guess in closing here, are you wrestling with God today <clears throat> in some way? Maybe I didn't even give, you know, give an example that fits your struggle, but <clears throat> are you wrestling with God today? And what will it take for, for me, for us to give in and let God be God? <clears throat> let God be Lord of our lives Whatever is in our past, Jesus is able to forgive that. He never gives up on us. Jesus loves us so much that he doesn't give up on us. Even though maybe we struggle and we try to get our own way with him, Jesus never gives up. And he gave himself for us. So I want to challenge myself and us that we would trust him. <clears throat> trust him. Believe his word. Believe that God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ is greater than whatever it might be that we're dealing with. And his renewal is greater than our greatest failing. The life that Jesus gives is more secure than any challenge that we will ever face, even death. God wants to bless he wants to bless us, but we don't have to fight for it. We just trust him, just obey him. He wants to give us a new identity, and he wants to write his name upon our heart. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I thank you so much for your love to us through Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that we might become a new person, might have a new identity, that we know that in Jesus Christ, all our sins can be washed away from us and removed from us as far as the east is from the west. And we can walk in freedom, we can walk in peace and joy within our hearts. I pray for, for us today that if we are going through any kind of struggle with you, that we would simply yield to you and, and give you our first allegiance and allow you to be Lord of our lives, whatever that might mean to us. We thank you for working with us and just continuing being patient with us and drawing us closer to you. 
Be with us now as we go from this place. May you continue to have your way with us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, let's stand for the benediction, then we are dismissed. <clears throat> May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Go in peace.